Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Dr. Ruth Gautian. Dr. Gautian is the Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education in Anesthesiology at Weill Cornell School of Medicine. She's also an expert in adult learning and is the author of the superb new book, The Success Factor. We had the opportunity to speak right before the book came out. It is now out and available. There are links in the show notes. It's a great book. I am a harsh critic of leadership book. I really liked this one. And talking with her about it was an absolute treat. I think you are going to really enjoy hearing this. This is fun, good, usable stuff and some really great anecdotes along the way as well. Please do check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com, and the Explore the Space merchandise store is open. Check it out at www.explorethespaceshow.com forward slash merch. Would love to see what you think, and please do enjoy looking around. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS Show, Instagram at Explore the Space Show. Please do subscribe to Explore the Space wherever you like to download your podcasts. Please do leave us that five-star rating and review as well. That really helps us out. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. I had a blast speaking with Ruth. You are going to love hearing from her. So without further ado, Dr. Ruth Gautian. Ruth, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited. This is going to be great. It's going to be great, but we are going to start in the in a place of a little bit of tension, which is okay. Uh, uh-huh. We're not going to have much of a runway. We're just going to go for it. You, right. You've written this wonderful leadership book. I did have the opportunity to read it, and I'm very excited. I don't like to recapitulate entire books, but I like to start with big strategic themes around books. Here's the theme that I want to start with. Why a leadership book? And I ask this because I, for people who've listened to the show, I've had opportunities to be a critic of the scope of leadership books, not specifically leadership books individually, but the concept of them. It, for me, it feels like it's a very saturated space. How did you come to the understanding of where there was a space to plant a flag on? Because you've done it really effectively. How did you kind of figure that out amongst the, the, the giant forest? And why even make the effort? Why, why was it that that piece that you were able to find where there's a little bit of sunshine amongst the trees, why was it, look, I'm going to pour blood, sweat, and tears into this specific topic? So I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I went back to school at the age of 43 to get my doctorate, and I studied adult learning and leadership. And I have been obsessed with success for a very long time. I live in New York City. I have been able to go to Broadway shows, was more interested in what was happening behind the scenes than what's on stage. And I always thought 
that the high achieving success, those people that you read about and you watch on television, I thought that was for other people. I never really thought that was for people like me. But then I actually started running a MD-PhD program. And you know, these programs have a three and a half percent acceptance rate. And even amongst that group, there were people who really just floated to the top. And I was surrounded by real high achieving scientists and physicians and physician scientists and a ton of Nobel Prize winners. And you know, Mark, what I realized is that they are just like us. And that's when I realized that while the entire world was talking about the leaky pipeline and those who are leaving the profession, I was much more interested in those who achieved that extreme success. And I wanted to know how we could bottle it up and teach it to other people. So that's really why I went back to school for it. And then I, my original research was on physician scientists, the most successful physician scientists of our generation. And then I started studying other extreme high achievers because most people who study success just study one industry. And I wanted to see if it was the same four elements among multiple industries so I could cross-pollinate. And that's when I saw that it was, that I noticed that the Nobel Prize winning scientist was just like an Olympic champion figure skater. So if that's the case, I realized these are learned skills. My background is in adult learning and leadership. I know how to teach it. So I talk about it and that's, that was my, that was my place of sunshine where I found that no one else was talking about it in this way. So I studied it, wrote the book, The Success Factor about it. And here we are. I love it. That's amazing. The, the place that I want to start, because the book for me felt really kinetic. Um, I like the way you broke it up. It's, it's, it's small bites and bits. It's quick hits. It's a couple of pages per topic. It moves quickly. There's like teachable moments, really workable skills. But I want to start from the opposite of, of something that's kinetic. Let's start with inertia. <laughs> How do we even get someone to open a book? We feel like it's meaningful. We feel like it's good. We're all pulled in a thousand different directions. And at least for me, it's acknowledging that there might be something in here that I'm going to read about that I'm not good at. I'll then have to face that. I'll then have to decide if I want to get better at it and then start doing that work. And I'm afraid of failure. That's a lot. Where are, where are those levers? Because that for me, that's the barrier to progress most of the time is a, a, a really nice heady mixture of fear of failure, fear mm -hmm. of succeeding, mm -hmm. and getting over that because of the inertia that that creates. Yeah. And, and that's really why I wrote the book, because you were saying that you don't you get frustrated with most leadership books because it tells you what to do, never really tells you how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm an they separate educator. themselves even more, like you said, right? You don't you read it feeling like that's for other I, people. That's for, <laughs> that's for this. That's for this person. Like this person that's nailed right. it and blessed. But I, I got to right. go make rounds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I really wanted to not just talk about what other people did. And I actually talked about their failures as much as I talked mm. about their successes and what they mm -hmm. learned from those failures. But. Also, uh, if I'm an adult educator, I have to teach you how to apply it. But the other thing is what works for me will not work for you because we're not alike. So if we're not alike, I need to offer options. And we know from all the research that adults like options. How can I do it? How is it important to me? And how can I implement it now? Not one day, 
now. So that's why for every single one of the four elements, it comes to life because I'm sharing the stories of people you've heard about, of Dr. Tony Fauci and Nobel Prize winner Mike Brown and Bob Lefkowitz and all these people. But Zaza Pachulia. Yes, Zaza Pachulia and Steve Kerr and all the totally. people. Totally. Yeah, and they're women in there too, Dr. Peggy yeah, yeah, Whitson yeah. and Maxine yeah. Clark. And yeah. Um, but it teaches you how you can implement it. And there's a buffet of options. And the reason I wanted to have those options is because A, what works for you won't work for me, but also what works for me today may not work for me the next time I have a transition, a new job, a move, a new partner, a pandemic. All these things are triggers that really cause us to reevaluate why we do things and how we do things. And what we liked in the past, we may not like now. So that's why we need to have a way to pivot. And that's why it was so important that I offer options to people as to how to apply it. And that's why I wrote in the book, this is a book that you read once and you keep it on your nightstand so you can always reference it again. And you created it in such a way that that's really easy to do. Like I said, the chapters are not 45 pages long. You can really easily be like, I just need this one nugget and turn to it. Um, and it lays it all out. I, I, I did it in a couple of different ways. Like I read stretches, but then I went full choose your own adventure style <laughs> and just kind of like opened. And um, again, right. You said like, we can do these things however we want to do them and how, how it works for us. And for me, that made it really, really interesting because for a book like this, it's hard for me to go cover to cover. Um, yeah. I like to, because also that you need to take, I need to take breaks. I need to reflect. I need to spend a little bit of time with it. Um, there's, one aspect, though, where this isn't pushback, it's a it's a legit question. And I think you sort of alluded to this. How do we use this? Because one of the one of the things that I think someone might feel when they see the way the book is brought to light kind of on the table of contents and then the there's a lot. Yeah, a lot of coaching points. There's a lot of exercises. There's a lot of workable tools. It's a proper curriculum, which is great. But again, in that space of inertia, how do you want people to use it? I think the book is broken up into three parts. The first part is making the case why we have to have high achievers, why it makes business sense to have high achievers, why you would want to be a high achiever, how to lead high achievers, how to retain high achievers. So that's a whole first part. The second part of the book talks about the four elements of success that all high achievers have. The intrinsic motivation, the perseverance, the strong foundation, and the continuous learning. And then the last third of the book teaches you how to actualize each of those four elements into your life. So you can do it in different ways. You can actually go through the four elements and then learn how to actualize them. You can do one element and then learn how to actualize it. You can actually flip around any way that you want. But the one thing that I do want to caution you is that you really do need to do all four elements together if you're going to optimize your success. If you're only doing choose two your own out adventure of four, style three out not of four. Recommended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's choose your own adventure, but get them all done. Get them right? done. You can, yeah, for sure. For you sure. can do the order. But <laughs> if you were going to start with one element, yeah. I highly recommend the figuring out your passion and purpose as the first element, because everything else grows on that. Figuring out passion and purpose, page 190, podcasting. 
thank you. I saw it. I was so happy. I was like, yes, come on. That was rad. I had to make a little note. It was on page 190. There it was. Now I'm going to look. Favorite, my favorite lesson in it, there's a lot of them, but the one that I liked because it's one that I have to remind myself of on the regular, whether I'm hosting a podcast or I'm at work is, and again, just to give people a little place to dive in, 192, the the, the message was listen more than you talk. Yeah. I still yeah. struggle with it. I mean, I struggle with it as a podcast host. I have to catch myself like right now. I'm, I need to stop talking and let you reflect on that point. But the listen while you talk for me really resonated. Are you finding people are resonating on a whole myriad of different things as you get feedback or are there specific things that are popping up over and over that people are saying, thank you for putting that forward? You know, it really depends on who you ask. Um, mm. And I think that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to have a cross section of people in the book. I wanted the physician scientists, the Nobel Prize winners, but I also wanted the astronauts and I wanted the Olympians and I wanted the NBA stars and I wanted some political figures and I wanted some CEOs because I fully recognize that what what resonates with certain people will not resonate with others because of where you are in your life. And that's why it was so important to have these really diverse people in there everyone sharing their own story because you never know what'll be your trigger. There's a lot of hoops and I loved that. What's your favorite basketball team? Oh, I don't know. I can't say that, but you know, Steve Kerr and Zaza <laughs> Pachulia are in the book. So I guess I have to say Warriors. I had Steve Kerr on the show last year. It was pretty awesome. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a rad. big reader. He's, He's Steve Kerr. Like, I'm a Lakers fan, but I live in the, you know, in the North Bay. And the Warriors are just, they're so much fun to watch. But was there, I'm a huge sports fan. Is there something about basketball, the sport of basketball, that felt inclusive, that felt special, that felt unique? Was it just that you had access and entree to some of these people? Because you've got like Steve Kerr and R.C. Buford, like you've got some basketball, you know, some some people, Legends. right? Some yeah. people that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. W what was it about the sport of basketball that for me really felt like a focal point? And I loved it. It, it was really, it wasn't so much that it was basketball. Basketball, I wanted to have team sports mm -hmm. as well as individual sports. Yeah. And um, team sports, I thought, really is a different type of success and a different type of leadership. It doesn't all rest on one person, nor does it fail on one. The success or failure doesn't ever, it doesn't just uh, rest on one person. So I thought that was a very important angle. I also like the diversity where people are really coming from all over the place, right? It's not just um, we're going to have people from the Northeast. There are literally people from all over the world who are coming to make up the team. So I thought that having the senior people and the junior people and how those team dynamics work, I thought was so critical. But, you know, there's also individual sports. There's the, you know, Scott Hamilton, the the gold medal figure skater and Apollo Antonono and Bonnie Claire and Bonnie Blair, the speed skaters. There really were so many. And there's probably people that you never heard of, but should be on your radar because they're just so impressive as well. Can I tell you why I was happy that basketball was there, aside from the fact that I'm a fan? <laughs> why? Of the team sports, it has a couple of aspects. One, it's extraordinarily complicated and it's longitudinal and it's really difficult. <laughs> Two is it's really hard to find a sport that is more universally accessible. You need a ball, you need some sort of a hoop or a box or a rim. 
Yeah. And it's a sport that is as welcoming as there is. And so in that space of complexity and longitudinal longitudinality, if that's really a word, and inclusivity, for yeah. me, that's where success is going to live. And so basketball is a really great representation of in the practice of medicine, in healthcare. Like we have to mix those aspects in to find a really high level of success. Not that other sports don't represent it, but they're harder to access right? I love tennis. I'm a tennis player. It's not a very accessible sport. Yeah. Um, hockey, yeah. I've never played it because it's not a very accessible sport. Um, yeah. And I don't want to set them against each other, but that's what really stuck out for me. Just that multiple layers of of hoops being in there that I felt like really underwrote what you were trying to say in the first place. Wow. And it's so fascinating to hear because that, as I said, that really resonated with you, where for mm-hmm. someone else, May not be May a not. big deal, yeah. right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I spoke to about Steve Kerr's values, which are so important to him in the way he coaches and the way he runs a team, and how that's used for physicians. I just had a conversation with a physician about that a couple of days ago, yeah. because you need to live with your values, and the way Steve Kerr lives with his values is the way physicians can make sure that they never lose lose focus on their values. Love Same it. ideas that we can learn from other industries. And yeah. that's why I really wanted all these industries represented. There's a video clip that you, uh, if you, if you may have seen it, you may not have, it went viral a couple of years ago. It's Steve Kerr coaching slash mentoring uh, Steph Curry in the middle of a game. And it's where Steph Curry is having an off night shooting wise. And coach Kerr's giving him a, a, a pep talk. Basically. It's so amazing. Have you, does this ring a bell? I haven't seen it now. And it ends with him saying, go forth, my son. And he's, oh, I'll send it. I'll, I'll <laughs> text it to you it. when we're done. You got to watch me. it. But it, it's a master class in 18 seconds, taking your person that you're trying to help get to the level they need to get to, who is not at that level in that moment. They're struggling. Wow. How do you change, refocus all those things? It's so great. And I just loved it. So, and again, for me, right, it's that you give us a playground to have some fun because like you say, people are going to resonate with different parts. For me, I got to think about those things as I'm reading it and those things make me happy. And if nothing nice. else, it's fun to crack a book and feel happy. Nice. See, and for someone else, it could be the Tony Award winning actress, Victoria Clark. or Totally. Tony Award winning producer. How entree with all of these people? <laughs> I mean, Look. my gosh, who do you know? Um, now I know a lot of people, um, (laughs) look, it started because of where I worked. I knew a lot of Nobel prize winners and that's awesome. (laughs) Well, it's because of, of where I, where I worked and and the program I was running. (laughs) Who I know. (laughs) Um, and what happens is I, I tell all of these people that I'm not interested in what I can Google about them. Mm, mm -hmm. We don't need to have that conversation. Right. That's the tip of the iceberg. I'm really much more fascinated with what's below the waterline and what it took to get there. And I think people need to know, like, and trust you. And when they know, like, and trust you, they are willing to open up to you. And that is something that I've been doing throughout my entire career that really just motivates all of my work. So it started with physician scientists and the Nobel Prize winners and NIH Institute directors. And then I was at a conference and there were some astronauts there and I approached one and we started talking and emailing, developing that relationship. And then that person introduced me to another one. 
And then I met an Olympian who then introduced me to other Olympians because once they get to know, like, and trust you and they understand the work that you're doing, people start referring you to other people because they know that I am not going to tarnish their name or reputation in any way. I am not here to be a fangirl. I am not here to write some, you know, piece in some celebrity something. I am really here to understand the journey. And the book, it is well-researched, well-referenced, well-cited. I mean, I put a lot in there, but it doesn't read like academic text. It, I really wanted it to be not anecdotal, but to be well-researched in a way that people will understand this is, this is legit. And I think what happened is um, uh, people understood that what I was doing was really coming from a good place. And the more they talked to me, the more they understood there's a purpose to this. And once I was done, they kept referring me to other people. And the nice part is now a lot of them have become good friends. That's great. That's great. Before I get to what you've just given me the most magical segue for, I'm going to just save it because I do have to ask in the in the world of people whom you would like to meet and interact with, who would you have that sort of fangirl moment with? Because I have I know who mine would be as like I would fanboy out a little bit. Just one. No, Can I have no, more than more one? one. Yeah, okay. no, there's, a, there's not as many as there used to be, right? We're all just human <laughs> beings kind of muddling around, making our way in the world. Um, but there's there's still a few. I'd love to meet Madeleine Albright mm. and talk to her, former mm-hmm. Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. I'd love to meet Oprah uh-huh. because she can talk to people and get them to open up in a way that makes every qualitative researcher just salivate Mm -hmm. because she does it so effortlessly. And I want to be able to learn how to do that. Um, I do also want to get more people from the creative arts as well. Haven't quite been able to get into that. Um, I have a few, but I'd like to get some more, just like I was able to get the physician scientists and the the astronauts and Olympians. Now it's time for the creative arts to have their moment to shine as well. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Can I tell you the people that I would, uh, would have a moment if I would just, I, I would compose myself. I'd be okay. But at first it would be a little, like I'd be a little starry eyed. Yeah. But can I add more? Cause I keep thinking of more. Sure. I want to add. Yeah. yeah. I want to add Billy Joel and Tom. Oh, fun. Okay. And Good Julia thing. Roberts. Billy Joel, Tom Hanks, Julie Roberts, commendable. <laughs> I want to, I would, I would, I would need to compose myself quickly after, if I had the chance to meet the Obamas. Mm. One of my friends met Michelle years ago and he still says, you just, you, there's nothing like her presence. It's, he said it, it was hard for him to kind of describe and he would get like worked up, but he said the two of them are just, and I would like to meet them, have a couple minutes to talk with them. That'd be pretty great. This is a little bit of recency bias, but it'd be pretty fun to meet Jason Sudeikis and Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso, uh, just to get some reflection of what they've created, because it's just been such a huge part of so many of our lives and had such a positive impact when we really, really needed it. That's Uh, right. And it's all intentional, right? None of that stuff that they created in that space is an accident. And just to get a chance to kind of hear from the two of them about what's going on, and that'd be pretty fun. But I would also, again, be like, "Uh, your show's really cool. (laughs) 
the point that I want to now bring us back to, you gave us this great segue of how in meeting the people that are in the book that lent their experiences and their insight to it was built around the network that you were slowly and with intention creating. And I want to ask you, because I did this on a more on a recent episode with Wes Ely, where he actually read to us and credit to him, it was his idea. There's a, a small nugget. Can I ask you to read the section on page 33 about networks? Your network is your net worth. That one. That's the Ready? one. That's the Ready. one. High achievers amass a massive network, which includes countless people, both within and outside their industry. Many of those contacts are high achievers as well. There's a level of trust and understanding between them, which allows them the opportunity to gather together, collaborate, ask questions, and hear perspectives. Every single high achiever mentioned their network as a source of potential prospects, including jobs and mentors. They call upon each other for speaking, investing, and consulting engagements, allowing them to travel the world. High achievers enjoy surrounding themselves with people from their network as they are always learning something new. It's not a competition. Instead, it's a camaraderie. They are consistently helping others, paying it forward, and involving people from their network to contribute to great causes, ranging from teaching our youth to financial endowments. That's my favorite part of the book. (laughs) That was my favorite part. That's the one that spoke to me the most insofar as in the what I am trying to understand, I'm able to do what I enjoy doing, what Explore the Space affords me the opportunity to do, and how you and I are now sitting here. Right. I didn't cold call you, right? You didn't cold call me. We have multiple friends with whom we've both worked and done fun stuff with who both said, you two should do something cool together. And here we are. And this here we happen. are. Right. <laughs> I love that part of the book. It's really short too. It doesn't need a lot. I, I love the brevity of it. It doesn't need a lot of um, fanfare. It's just, it, it is what it is. You know who taught me that? No. Two people. Two people. Okay. One is my mentor, Dr. Marie Volpe. Um, she was my doctoral advisor and she said, don't say in 10 words what you can say in two. Mm-hmm. So I understood that. The other is, I got to, I also write for Forbes. And after Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, I got to interview many of her former clerks. And they said to me that Justice Ginsburg was, it was really important to her that you don't use any superfluous words. Just make it sharp and tight. So I had those words of Justice Ginsburg, you know, over my head all the time as I was writing. And I think that's what helps is that the segments in the book are short so that you can read individual pieces. Totally, totally. When someday we'll cross paths and that's the part of the book that I want you to actually autograph for me (laughs) is, is on that page, not on the title page. I love that section. I really did because the, the, the opportunities that we have, especially the part about expanding the network. Yeah. It doesn't have to stop and it doesn't become a time sink, right? Yeah. Figuring out how to, with authenticity and intentionality, connect people, put people next to each other and say, this may or may not bring some collaborative spirit, but you now know each other. This is a good person. This is a good person. Mixed skill set. Get after it as you so choose. And you don't even like, 
put me on BCC. Don't, I don't need to be part of this anymore. Um, yeah. Because again, it's not necessarily for your gain. It's just that it's a mindset that I find extraordinarily um, satisfying and rewarding and fun. And I just love the fact that it had early in the book, a really nice focal point. Yeah. And, and it's really so important. And it's really about developing those relationships and developing them over time, not with an ask, not that with the idea that what can I get out of this person? Totally, totally. Just get to know these people. Just connect. That's right. You'll notice in the acknowledgments of the book, I acknowledge a group of people, many of whom I haven't yet met in person. And it's fascinating. I'm part of this think tank. And early on in the pandemic, um, this think tank meets, um, there's a few conferences a year, and there's thousands of people who are in the group. We have a private Facebook group, et cetera. And early on in the pandemic, in April 2020, one of the members, Dr. Susan Burnstone, she actually said, uh, looks like we're going to be stuck here for a while. <laughs> If anyone is looking to have a conversation where we can talk about anything but COVID, I'm opening up a Zoom room. And people flooded in. Flooded it. And this <laughs> Zoom room. I wish you let me know I'd have been there in a heartbeat. <laughs> this Zoom room has um, met every single Saturday night since April 2020. Oh every single Saturday night. Whoa. It includes um, uh, people from Every industry you can imagine, we have astrophysicists and astronauts and athletes and Wall Street tycoons and psychologists and some TV people. And somehow I got in there. And sometimes what we do, we realize we have this brain trust is somebody presents something. Mm -hmm. And that's how I get to learn about astrophysics. And that's how I get to learn about comedy. And that's how I get to learn about all these other fields. I got to teach them about adult learning. But we have been meeting every Saturday night, plus holidays, plus New Year's Eve. And that's why I acknowledge them in the book, because mm -hmm. it provided such a foundation. No one asked anyone for anything. Right. Right. But they're constantly giving, constantly offering, constantly helping. Yeah. Those yeah. become your people. I love that. And in that same space, I want to shout out two people whom I've also never met in person who said, Mark, you really need to you need to know Ruth. You need to talk to Ruth. And she should come on your show. Shika Jane and Lori Bedke. Yes. <laughs> they're they're awesome, right? I collaborate with them both all the time. We do so much cool stuff together. We text each other, like, what do you think of this? Hey, Take a look at that. No, don't do that. Hey, that's great. There's lots of that. And also just lots of, are you okay? What's up? How's everything going? Um, yeah. But I'm grateful that their, their commitment to that same mindset of how do we, with intention, put people next to each other so that that network continues to grow? Because when it's growing, it's not additive growth, right? It's logarithmic growth. It's you then leads to two more, then leads to four more, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to shout them both out because with intention, they said, you too need to be connected. And I, I just, I love that. And it makes me feel even more excited to then do the same for other people. Do you get that same experience? Absolutely. And what you're talking about, what Laurie and Shika did, they understand, and this is what high achievers understand, the true high achievers, there is no competition with these mm -hmm. people. 
I'm not taking a piece of your pie. You're not taking right. a piece of my pie. We're just making the pie larger, bigger, not a zero sum game. That's right. And as a, a result, tough mindset, though, it's a tough mindset. People don't understand that. People right. just don't understand that. And I wish they would, because when you help other people, and that was part of my definition of success, you have to lift people up as you start moving up. If it's all about you, you're not going, it's not going to be sustainable. Here's, here's, tell me if this has water, if this holds water for you. What you just said around why we should help people, why it feels good to help people. This is why, and I, you write with intention, you speak with intention. And I do, I try to do the same. And I say on the show a lot, like, I don't like platitudes. I feel like those terms have become and are frequently used as platitudes so that when people hear them, instead of hearing them in the way you just described them, they just hear the platitude and they say, "Ugh, that doesn't help. Like, all right, great. It's fun to help people. Um, I've seen that on a greeting card <laughs> as opposed to, okay, what, what in my space do I possess where if I was to apply it with the same intention that Dr. Gautian has taught me in her book, it will be logarithmically supportive for others and also backflow to me because this isn't a competition. Mm -hmm. I think unlocking that is part of the difficulty. People, yeah. The mindset of we're out to take yeah. and hoard is more pervasive. Does that hold water for you? Nope. Because... But as a concept, though, as, as, as a reason that it's hard to get. Yes, as yeah, a reason yeah, why it's yeah, hard to yeah. get. But I'll tell you why it shouldn't. We're actually built to give back. And this is something. I, no, called, I agree. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Something called generativity. It's something that one of the people who's mentioned in my book, Dr. Debbie Heiser, talks about this a lot. It's about wanting to give back and and being there to give back. And that's why she was able to develop an entire nonprofit which is called the Mentor Project, which is all about giving back. And she got the astronauts and the Olympians and these astrophysicists and all of these top, top people to donate their time to give back. She has almost a hundred of them and she's on a path to reach 1 billion people. And I think it's going to be possible. 1 billion. Oh, I think she's going to do it. I really That's do. Amazing. And I think these people, these people are built to give back. These people are here to help each other. And just like you said that you are texting with Lori and Shika to see how things are going and what's going on. All of these people are doing it with each other. Right, what do you right, need? Right, right, right. That Saturday night group I was telling you about, which has some of the most brilliant, high achieving people I have ever met. If one person is sick, Everyone is surrounding that, sending food, sending flowers, sending whatever it is, just yep. to make it a little bit easier for that person. Yeah, yeah. I think we can give back. I think we can help each other back. And there's small ways that you can do it. You don't have yeah. to be wealthy. You don't have to be an NBA star. If you know someone did some a good job at something or got some achievement or got something that they were trying to to get, give them a shout out. Just give them a shout out on social media. It'll have a ripple effect, but it'll also send a very strong message. It'll send a message to that person that you're throwing your entire network behind them, that you are supporting what they are doing. And that's really important. So if they had an achievement, had a publication, gave a great talk, whatever it is, just say, so proud of my friend, Mark Shapiro, who accomplished this. Here's the link. Now, everyone who I know sees that as well. Sees it as well. I agree with all of that. There's a lot of what I'm hearing from you 
really powerful commentary on how our actions can help build build up other people and support other people. But I want to ask you, mm-hmm. hearing that you've written a book, you have a professional life, you write for Forbes, these are a lot of big things. How do we give back to ourselves in that space as high achieving people so that we can continue to do it without, you know, the car is running in the red and flying off a cliff and working on fumes. Um, Look, I think, and this, I actually talk about this quite a bit in the book because the high achievers were crystal clear that reserving your rest days for rest is as important as focusing on your work days as important. And I learned this from the scientists and I learned this from the athletes as well, because what happens is if you're working 18 hours a day, it's just not sustainable. So there are ways, and I talk about in the book, the success factor, how to optimize what I call your peak focus hours, your peak cognitive hours, right? So I'm a morning person for me, that would be the morning. So there's certain tasks I do in the morning that I don't do in the afternoon and vice versa as a result, but also reserving that downtime just for you in the way that you enjoy doing it. For me, that's reading. I read 70 to 100 books a year. I could just sit there and read a book and that sounds like pure heaven to me. And I sort of need to do that also to quiet my mind. So everyone needs to know what works for them. If it's a walk around the block, if it's going to sit near a body of water, if it's going out to dinner and talking with friends, figure out what works for you. But you must carve that part out of your day. I think that's a great message. It's a great place for us to begin to wrap this up. I want to keep going, but acknowledging that people also need to be able to move on to other aspects of their day too. But can I give you a book recommendation? And then you can give me another one. All right. Please. Uh, It's by the author of The Martian uh, by uh, Andy Weir. It's called Project Hail Mary. What's it about? it's it's a science fiction book, but it's heavily steeped in in hard science, physics, mathematics, um, biology, biochemistry. It's so so great. It's one of the best books I've read in years. I actually experienced it as an audio book, which really worked because there's a lot of conversation in it, and the conversations are are just epic. There's a couple of folks on on Twitter that I was like, hey, anyone? Else? One of them I think recommended it, and now there's a group of us that are like quoting each other, but not trying to give away spoilers. Anyway. It's awesome. Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. No conflict of interest. It's just awesome. I will read it. I yeah, love it's, it. It's really, really fun. You have one I for me? It. I have several. Give me um, so I'll tell you two that I recently read that I really enjoyed. Okay. One is The Long Game by Dory Clark. It's okay. her fourth book. She talks about having strategic patience and really planning things out long term. The other is by... One of the Nobel Prize winners in my book, Dr. Robert Lefkowitz, he won the Nobel Prize in 2012. His autobiography is so funny that I was laughing out loud as I was reading it on the plane and I was sitting by myself. It's called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Stockholm. Stockholm, obviously, is where they give out the Nobel Prize. It is hysterical. It is transparent. It talks about from childhood to the Nobel Prize, and he talks about his failures as openly as he talks about his successes. Oh, how fun. It's brilliant. The last time I had that experience, I'm going to buy it right now because I want to, the last time I had an experience of laughing at a book in public, I was, this was years ago, I was sitting in a cafe in Tel Aviv and I was reading A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. <laughs> Have you ever read that book? 
No, but I could see you sitting in Tel Aviv with that happening. And all these people around me are laughing. And I was like, what's going on around me? Read the book. More laughter around. What's going on? Oh, my God. They're laughing at me because I look like a crazy person. I've been like (laughs) red faced, coughing, laughing so hard for like 15, 20 minutes. It was a long time. I'm going to read that book. Those are good books. Absolutely (laughs) the best. Speaking of great books, where do people find the success factor? How do people find you? Thank you. So the book is called The Success Factor. Wherever you enjoy buying books, that's where it is. My website is just my name, ruthgotian.com, R-U-T-H-G-O-T-I-A-N. And all the social media is just my name, Ruth Gotian. That's fantastic. Good luck with the book. It's going to be a fun part of 2022. With all that 2022 carries, you'll get to ride the the book promotional roller coaster. This was a total blast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Mark. I loved it. My thanks once again to Ruth for coming on this episode of Explore the Space Podcast. This was a total blast. Definitely check out the success factor. It is worth the investment of time and energy. It's a wonderful book. She's done an amazing job with it, and it was just a blast to speak with her. Thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. Delighted that you're here checking out Explore the Space podcast. Definitely check out the archive, www.explorethespaceshow.com, and definitely enjoy looking at the merch store at www.explorethespaceshow.com forward slash merch. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS Show. Instagram at Explore the Space Show. Email me anytime, Mark at Explore the Space Show.com. We will be back soon with more great content. Until then, take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, Explore the Space Show.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to Mark at Explore the Space Show.com.